theatrical pause. <laughs> Miller opens up the case with a double click. Inside, there is an electrical contraption that looks like something out of the 50s with two insets that look like speakers and a small metal aerial like an old-fashioned TV aerial. Miller takes it out and lays it on the table between them with a sense of wonder, even though it is less than impressive. This, Mr. Mr. Dill, is the old phone check. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Mr. Dill... (laughs) This is the all-new Fontaine Marine Sonic Fish Finder. We are doing brand new things! We are doing stupid things! We are doing scary things! There's a gun in sky! And a golden show! Tonight... We fuck with monster trucks. See Serenity. And reach a higher level with special guest Rob Sheridan on tonight's Trying Times. All right, hello and welcome back to the Trying Times podcast. My name is Scott Wampler. I am the news editor here at Birth Movies Death, and I am your host. I am joined, as always, by the lovely Miss Katie Schultz. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yes, I'm it's tired. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> been a while since what? we did a show, right? No. Yes, uh, we looked into this the other day, and it's been since uh, I think Reagan was in office was the last time that. Oh we ran. yeah, he had just pissed off China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did did Reagan do that? Yeah, yeah Reagan pissed off. Okay, China. I didn't live through that. You're older than I am, so I don't. I, I took don't a, I took a class on East Asian American relations. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm just like the smartest. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is information that will be impressive to no one. <laughs> no one at yes. all. I, this is information I don't use. Right. Except to make you feel stupid. <laughs> um, let's do a very very quick recap of the. Several things we tried to do that blew up in our faces. Uh, yes. We went on a camping trip that did not. That work did out. not work. Yes, uh, we, didn't we end up really camping too much. No, we like took a hike. And then, uh, what was the other thing we tried to do? Uh, we tried to eat at East uh, Joy East, the buffet. Yes, that was awful, but not not quite show worthy. No, it's just I mean, like it's it's like reality show material, like telling people later that the cold mm-hmm. stuff was hot and the hot stuff was cold doesn't really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was gross. good. Good for a Twitter thread. Perhaps not for not an entire for show. show. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded an entire show with uh, with our guest Today. on this show, um, Rob Sheridan, where we, we drank the 40-year-old beer. Yeah. And Which we, I still have some we, of. Oh, I might fuck with that later. The, oh, the problem with it. that was, like, the whole basis of that show was we were going to drink uh, 40-year-old beer and, and eat uh, what was supposed to be a really gross sandwich, and then we all were both, we were all kind of like, that wasn't so bad. We Like, the beer wasn't too bad, and the sandwich was actually kind of good. Right. Um, yeah, I was fully expecting to do some puking on that podcast, and then it was, oh, well, you were, the beer is kind of, you, know, you were aged, very hungover for that one. Not too bad, and, and the sandwich was good. Weren't you hungover for that one? 
Weren't yeah. we all hungover for that one, as a matter of fact? Um, I think I was a little bit hungover, but I think Rob was the most hungover. I think yes. him and Steph like went out and did some fun things. <clears throat> I, mm-hmm. I think it was another time where, where you scheduled this on a Sunday. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yes. Saturday night happened. <laughs> that may be something we need to look at for ourselves going forward. Is <laughs> continually <laughs> scheduling these things on a Sunday. But um, <clears throat> the, the bigger issue with that episode was that... Uh, you know, we didn't get the audio recorded right. Yeah, I messed up, or the thing... My audio recording stuff is not always reliable. Mm -hmm. But we did double test it today, so it should work. We are basically... Clowns. Two monkeys with a a graphing (laughs) calculator trying to figure out how to do this show. Yeah. And in in that case, we just lost a fucking show. Yeah. So now we're back. Uh, Sorry about the delay. And we are pleased to welcome... You've already heard him. Uh, Mr. Rob Sheridan back to the show. Rob, say hi. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be here again. Yes. You have a comic book to promote, don't you? I do, and I'm I'm so tired of self-promotion. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just read it, damn it. <laughs> well, we're gonna, Just, the good news yeah, is we're going to talk about read a bunch of... Read it or don't read it at this point. I'm sick of talking about it. No, <laughs> I mean, I, obviously I like talking about it, but it's just that, you know, I hate self-promotion. I hate talking about myself. I... I I hate begging people to be interested in something. So right. it's it's always been a struggle for me that I've had to get better at as I've as I've gone more independent as an artist and it's it's not something that like creative people are really like all that good at, <laughs> you know. Right. Well uh, for it always, it, it always feels weird. For people that might not be immediately familiar with your name, you were the the art director for 9 Inch Nails for many years and I would imagine that in that case your paychecks kept coming in and you kept being successful regardless well, of any of any kind of promotion he didn't because, have to promote himself because right. he was part of the nine inch nails all he had to do was make the shows good right exactly yeah i mean and in that case i was i was making all this creative output and i was also in charge of promoting it largely um doing a lot of the marketing and stuff and oh, that were was you? easy because i could because i could build out the marketing strategy for an entity that wasn't just me you know right, right. And, uh, and and i don't mind that it's and I didn't have to like talk about myself at all. You know, it was all on Trent to have to go talk about the projects. <laughs> so uh, this is this is new for me, but I'm getting used to not feeling skeevy about it because it's just part of you know, it's part of the business. Part of the business. Yeah. Things you got to do. Plus, you got to be proud of your work. You know. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure you are, but. Uh... Oh yeah, it's it's not an issue of that. It's just an issue of like like you know business into creative uh, output just always feels strange you know it feels tainted somehow to be like buy this buy this buy this you know when you just want to create it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't want to beg people for attention just either like it or don't but i put it yeah. out there yeah yeah exactly like uh, it it's not it's not my nature to just want to talk about myself a lot so well, we're learning. gonna make you do that at the end of the show so get ready i can't wait yes. I can't wait <laughs> <clears throat> we'll we'll build up to that um the 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 challenge that we undertook this past uh what was it a, a few weeks ago now yeah it's like two or three weeks ago we went to a monster truck rally yeah yes shelts got us tickets uh to go to a monster truck rally for uh for my birthday which is actually back in december but the um, show was on just january 12th i think whichever sunday that is sure and uh, my friend who lives in Florida was talking about monster truck rallies. And I was like, that, 
that's what I want to do. I want to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And I told Scott about it. And he was like, yes, absolutely on board. And so we went, and it was so loud. Yes. What were your pre- preconceived notions of a monster truck rally before we actually got there? I want to ask Rob this question, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My first, I thought they well, were. Well, gonna... actually, let's let's let Rob answer that because Rob okay. has yet to be uh, to to attend yeah. a monster truck rally, right? Yeah, Rob, what do you think? Um, it's one of those things that I I have no idea why I never have been to one, but I really should have because you grow up hearing the commercials Sunday, 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 and and I thought maybe mostly based on that Simpsons episode that there were going to be transformers and fire, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know they, like. Like giant cars were jumping over a bunch of other cars, and then there were pyrotechnics and crushing stuff and and that kind of thing. Um, Truckosaurus. Truckosaurus, exactly. I've been to a destruction derby, which is pretty cool, but it's low on the theatrics. It's more competition of destruction. So I thought thought this would be like trucks and destruction and heavy metal and destruction. uh, Yeah, like, like a. 80s WWF match with trucks. So that's that's exactly what I was picturing. That's kind of I was hoping for more. Yeah, like the truck equivalent of chair slams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> and long sweaty hair. The the reality of it was was somewhat different. Do you want to talk? Yeah. Well, we got in, and if you get there early, you can go to the pit party, which is like so like in the pit like where they're going to be driving around they have like all of the dirt packed into their ramps and stuff Mm -hmm. and then they have all the trucks parked and you can see you can walk around with the trucks but that is like that ends two and a half hours before the show starts so Mm -hmm. you get there like four hours early to walk around we got there terribly early like it, we started at seven. I think we got there at like four. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, four thirty or five is when the pit party is over and you have to leave. And so they have to break down everything in the pit, which it was kind of cool to like be up close next to these like giant ridiculous cars. There was one car that was a dog and it had big floppy ears and a ta- a tail that like wagged. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there was like a Kraken one. Uh, there was a bull one. That one was my favorite because it was driven by a lady, and she was like, I put pink glitter in the exhaust so that you know that it's a lady lady car. That was my favorite one. Equal representation at, at Monster Jam. <laughs> no, it was all white people and, like, two ladies. It was, like, four, 14 cars? The crowd was, uh, would you say the, the crowd, crowd was, was predominantly diverse. Hispanic? Um... I felt like we were the minorities there, for sure. There was a lot of white people. I don't know. I mean, it was definitely diverse. There was some of everybody. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go to diverse with There you was on definitely this. a lot of uh, Hispanic and Latinx people. Right. Um, and there were, like, babies with headphones. Scott made fun of me for bringing my ear protectors. Well, um, Schultz brought fucking, like, we were going to a gun range. They were, they, yeah, they were designed for a gun range. Right. I brought uh, earplugs I... and headphones. Bringing a baby uh, seems a little strange to me, you know, they, ear protection or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. they brought, uh, most of the babies had ear protection, but yeah, they would bring bring their babies. 
And, you know, I could tell, like, some of them were old enough to be, like, into trucks, but some of them weren't even old enough to have opinions yet. It was just, it was weird to have... Babies are traditionally non-opinionated. Yeah. Well, you know... One of the, <laughs> you know at, at, at least a, two. As a baby, one of the first opinions you do form, though, is trucks good, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> it, it raises a good point, though, that this was more of a family affair than I was expecting. It was definitely a family affair. Um, they did sell alcohol... But there was just like a lot of like chicken tenders and stuff like that mm -hmm. on sale. And there was a lot of children, a lot of like cotton candy and like kids hats and kids shirts. Right. Almost like a circus. It was definitely like circus vibe, like white trash circus right. vibe. Right. And whereas I was expecting more something along the lines of what Rob said with, you know, destruction and heavy metal. When my friend from Florida was telling me about it, she was mentioning motorcycles also being in the pit with the trucks all, and, like, doing flips over them. There were no motorcycles. And I thought hmm. the trucks would do more cool stuff, but it turns out monster trucks can't. So they have, like, a racing match. And so they two trucks go around a circle once, and, and that's one race. Mm -hmm. And then they do it again with the other trucks. And it took, like, an hour and a half for them to go through all of the truck races. And it wasn't interesting. Like, the only thing they did was take a turn kind of quickly. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I would imagine that the people listening to this right now are like, this isn't interesting. It was that yeah. interesting to be there. Mm -hmm. um, it, the, the, it wasn't uh, that cool. <clears throat> the gimmick of it wore off very quickly. Yeah. You know, where you're like, holy shit, it's like a big thing and it's... And it's going, it's going over up like a, jump, a ramp, yeah. But to see it like twenty times in a row, like by the tenth time, you were like, "All right, I thought, I, all right, I, I get, get it. it, yeah." And then after the racing round, they did two wheel tricks, and like only four of the ten of the fourteen cars could do two wheel tricks. All the other ones kept falling over, and then like a forklift would have to come out, and like not a forklift, like bigger than a forklift, they'd a have crane. to. They'd have to get a crane to come out and tilt the car over, mm -hmm. and that was so like every after every two wheel trick round trick two wheel trick round did not last very long, but and, you had to wait and, ten minutes for them to get the car off the thing. And to be clear, the the crane that came out to pick up the trucks wasn't like disguised under a facade of a giant dragon that was eating the trucks. No, nope. it was definitely like construction equipment. Didn't even have... Damn it, people. So much potential wisdom. That's no, what I'm saying. they didn't even dress it up. They were just like, <clears throat> oh, he tipped over. Everybody has to wait 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, we were having our own struggles with uh, the, the the drink situation. Um, we, we walked a circuit around the entire building trying to find the best uh, drink deals and what have you all beer was at least ten dollars so we make a circuit around the entire building and we eventually found a place that seemed to have uh reasonable beer prices and you went with what dos equis dos equis okay and i went with which was eleven dollars not ten because yeah because it was international yeah yeah and uh, uh i got like a bud light or something mm -hmm. which was ten mm -hmm. you know Mine, when the guy poured mine, it was like half head. And you had and, to hand it back and be like, yeah. Hey, and I had to do the thing where I was like, look, man, I'm, I'm sorry to be that guy, but. But I'm paying $10 for this yeah. Bud Light. I better get the whole cup of Bud yeah, Light. Yeah, you no know, shit. Um, so he gives me the full beer. And then you got your beer and you were like, 
it tastes watery. And then, like, a few minutes went by, and... And I was like, it's still really gross. Like, right. it's a gross beer. Like, what's happening? Right. And I thought you were just being particular. I am a snob. Yeah, just a little, a little snooty. Snob. And then, you know, after a solid half hour of this, I was like, let me taste your beer. And it was, it was straight up water. Like, it was, it was not even remotely carbonated at all. And I, and I told you, I'm like, why don't you take it back? And you're like, nope, and fucking drank it anyway. <laughs> and then I fucking, like, which, chugged the rest of it. Which is a pretty gangster move, all things considered. But also, I don't like complaining. I know, but at $11, dude. Yeah, but, like, that guy didn't know what was happening. Rob, if you got a, if you got a beer from a bar and you paid $11 for this single beer... And it was dead flat. Like, would you take it back, or what, what's your move? My expectations of arena drinks and food are so low at this point. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, what like I'm if saying. It, uh, if it wasn't just, like, water with some pee trickled in it, then I'd, I'd be happy. You know, that's it's kind of what it was. It's so bad. Have you had and a particularly... It's so, it's so expensive. Have you had a particularly rough experience with arena food or drinks? I've just been to many many arenas in my time right yeah. and uh and anytime i you know okay let's get a beer let's, let's get something and it was, it was never good just never and and they're just making a killing off of watered down flat beer it's crazy because there's, there's no other choice you know people want a beer and that's all you got there people are willing to pay for it when you were on tour, though, like you had you had backstage beer, right? Like that was real beer. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, there's still there's still plenty of times when you're like meeting up with your friends who came to the show or whatever, and and um, you hang out with them a little bit, uh, you know, before the opening act and stuff like that. And I, I ended up sampling, you know, various amounts of of uh, arena beer and uh, never found a good one. Well. That's because they're all domestics, and then like Corona and Dos Equis. And they're watered down and have been like sitting there for probably weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I have a question about tour riders. Now that we're yeah. on this conversation, yep. like, so if you're traveling with the band, you're backstage automatically, yes? Right. And the band yes. has a rider. Yeah. But the, which is, you know, the the their list of demands to any venue of what they want when <clears throat> they come there. Yes. Right. Um, uh, can you can you tell us what was on Nine Inch Nails rider? Um, well, there, there's two there's two different riders. There's like the riders that you request from the tour manager uh, to be stocked on the bus, um, and that that tends to be like snacks and drinks mostly because you usually stop for food or like right, eat, right. eat dinner eat dinner at catering or whatever, um, and then the tour, the, the like tour writer for the venue was like, I wish I could say there was something really weird <laughs> in Dino Channel's tour writer, but honestly, like it was mostly like protein bars and um, <laughs> like uh, they, they, they all went through a, a juicing phase where they were like, we're requesting like fresh fruits and vegetables and a juicer and stuff like that. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, like beers and, and, um, you know, need wine. Swim fast, stand. Yeah, I mean, like beers and wine and stuff like that for the band members who like certain things, but a lot of diet cokes, Red Bulls for me. I don't. It, it was, it was very normal. <laughs> you know, we we were all in like survival mode. You have to like 
you have to be constantly going and um it's just not it's not a situation where you want 10 pounds of gummy bears or whatever you might think would be some absurd request sitting there asking you to eat it every night you know well, I was reading this thing about writers, and it was like Van Halen uh, would write into their contract like a bowl with no red M&Ms in the thing every night. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a dick move, but what they do is because uh, like the stage collapsed underneath them one time because the person who put, on, uh, the, put up the stage didn't read the requirements for like their head because they have like fire and like it's a bunch of heavy equipment and stuff so they would put that kind of thing in there so if they saw the bowl with no red m&ms in it they Mm -hmm. knew that the person had read the requirements and that the stage probably wouldn't collapse or you know that kind of thing Hmm. i feel like there has to be a better way to prove (laughs) that someone read the writer than to make some poor fucking intern go through like four pounds of m&ms i mean usually the usually the stage manager is, is inspecting it all beforehand but uh but yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. I hadn't heard that one. Hmm. So uh, we're 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 drinking our ten to eleven dollar beers. Yeah, I think I probably uh, spent like sixty bucks there just on food so and alcohol. Easy, easy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we got to a point with it after a couple hours where it felt very samey. It was just and, the same. Like even when we got to the two wheel tricks, like that got old in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Because none of them could do any of the tricks. They would, they would like, hype us all up, like, they're going to do a trick, and then, you know, two-thirds of them would fail. Right. There was no, at no point was there a truckosaurus. There at no, no point was there, was, there, they didn't was there fire. anything. But, Nothing but got like, crushed. But, like, from someone who comes from a, a production, a live production background, it's like, if one thing fails in the show, it's like, everyone's freaking out, and it's a huge deal, and we, we do everything we can to fix it. Can you imagine going to see Cirque du Soleil and, like, one out of every three acrobats, like, fell to the ground? Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's, that's yeah, but like or if they have the net better. And they, can, and they always fall into the net? Yeah. But, like, but I feel like th- this show was sort of designed for that. But it was designed... It felt calculated to me. It didn't feel like they were, like, you know, jumping themselves off hills up. and, like, fucking... Yeah, and, like, throwing themselves over on their sides on purpose. But at the same time... It was, like planned into the show that people yeah exactly would because they were like right there with the fucking camera crew to talk to the driver afterwards who by the way didn't even have the courtesy to be injured you know he's <laughs> there was just like one guy who had to be pulled out because um a bunch of dirt got dug up by the roll bars mm-hmm. and so the cabin of the car was filled with all the packed dirt oh. from the stadium and then it got in the engine and they kept giving us updates on it like we gave a shit Right, but then they would like flash to like all the TVs would flash to like an interview back here in the backstage. Pit. Yeah, like yeah. we've got this guy, and they're like, "Well, if we don't get the dirt out, we can't be on the thing yeah. again." And it's like, "Yeah, we fucking know how dirt works." Like it, it seemed like a way to pad out the show to me to make it, it longer. Yeah, it, yeah, to pad it okay. out, and it and but it even felt. Then, if you're if you're gonna stage failures, I mean, even the Waterworld stage show at Universal Studios knows that when you stage something. You know, a car flipping over. You got to put some pyrotechnics in there. Come on. No, like they weren't mm-hmm. staging it though. They were just expecting most of them to fail. I think it was. <laughs> I I feel like. <laughs> I feel like. That's what it look, felt I like. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. Uh, uh, what's the word? Negative. 
No, I'll say negative things. Okay. I don't want to say anything potentially actionable here or or lead people astray, but my impression of watching the Monster Jam was that um, maybe it wasn't planned, but it was also like... It's like... It was like a boxer throwing a fight. Is what it seemed like to me. Oh, mm. you know? okay. And it's just like you probably like make sure that you don't do as well as that other person because we want that other person. To maybe get to the next round. I don't know. I mean, I bet I this is know. heresy for for monster truck enthusiasts, but that was the impression I had. Like it was just a little too, uh, it was a little too pat, a little too on the nose. But then um, how come it was so fucking boring? You know what? You know what I'm really excited about is when you guys post this and. Someone, someone who's really comments. into it comes in and right. monster truck explains all this to you. He's gonna be, it's gonna be some guy that's like, it's still real to me, damn well, it. It's like when you went to the wrestling thing, and so you had somebody to kind of explain like the different kind of wrestling stuff to you. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have a guide. I don't think we needed one. It was cars driving in a fucking circle. It was stinky. <laughs> so inevitably, what what giant cars failing to drive in a circle thirty percent of the time. What this all builds up to is that. We were there for several hours, and once we had enough uh, $10 beer in us, you know, we start, we noticed that all yeah. around the arena, they had these uh, VIP boxes. Uh, yeah, like on the side, uh, like they halfway had like the, up. The, glass, the glass windows of yeah. the VIP boxes. And you could see inside that these people like had... We're watching football. Yeah, they had food and <laughs> drinks, and they were watching fucking football while this was going on. But, um, <laughs> so they're at one sporting event watching another. It yeah. felt very contradictory. And well, um, I know something about these because um, you know uh, we'd get um, comp tickets to these to these VIP booths sometimes when I was with the band. And um, my wife, when in Edmonton, when she ran a business there, they would give her comp tickets to like shows sometimes to like you know the arena trying to promote whatever. And mm-hmm. so you get you know you get these passes to these things and it's all free food and drinks in there and people just go to whatever you know it's just oh sure we'll go to the monster jam you know it's awesome you hang out there and they give you free drinks and you watch tv mm. so there's it's just an there's event like, there's like privileged people in there who don't give a shit that makes more sense yeah that follows <clears throat> i was thinking like at the time it was people that had paid to be there it, um, there might there might be some of those but a lot of them are just tickets given out and when it's the opportunity to go to whatever and it's like a random concert or anything and like you I'll just have get some to... catered barbecue and watch that thing yeah exactly yeah well we i was kind of a little bitch about it mm-hmm. why don't you uh <laughs> well, we, do you want to tell the story well, uh you're gonna tell me i told it wrong yeah um, i'll interject and you get it wrong <laughs> okay <clears throat> uh so like we leave our seats uh and I've still got some beer with me, and we're just kind of... What was our mission? Our mission was to get into one of them. Yeah, we wanted to crash one of the VIP boxes. We needed to find what floor they were on, mm-hmm. and the stadium was super confusing, so we're going like up and down stairs, and we're going... We've probably walked a mile just to try and find a way into there, and we finally find this back hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, a doorway off to the side. Like that was, it was unmarked. Yeah. Like I thought it would be locked. It was not. We just walked not, right in. Yeah, like we tried the handle and we just, all right, well, like, let's go in. And The key, I, I, I do want to interject something yeah. here, in that the key to not getting busted doing something like is this looking is... looking like you know what you're doing and exactly. where you're going. Exactly. So just Absolutely. marching in there, yeah. balls out. Look like this is where you're supposed yeah. to be. Don't be. Don't be living in a world of fear. 
Which I'm just so scared. Yes. All the time. Um, <laughs> you are not usually the scared. I was. I was. There was, I was a police taken, officer. I. What? So what? I was taken aback by how scared you were of crashing the VIP box. I that seemed like. Well, it looked like. Well, so we were. We managed like, to get past they do to you? the elevators, and I asked where the bathrooms are, um, to kind of stall. And so I get to the bathroom and I come out and Scott's like peeking in a door when I see police officers like standing around in the door, like around a table of food. And uh, you're like, that's why I wanted that box. I know. And you were like, let's go into this one. And I was like, but and he was like, it's a police one. Let's go into the police one. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to go into the police one. Once I saw that the police had a box, I was like, that's the one we got to crash. <laughs> of course, that's the one we got to crash. Um, uh, okay, you take over because I don't. Like, that's it. That's the fucking story. Because no, we went like, into the thing and like and it wasn't no a police one... box. <clears throat> no, there were police in there, but I think they were just like making the rounds, probably having some ribs, whatever the fuck. Yeah, they, they just felt entitled to whatever catered food is there. Yeah, exactly. But we went in there and just kind of posted up, and and no one gave a shit that we were there. There's a bunch of kids. There was like yeah, a lot of kids. There were some kids in there. Um, uh, and then we just stood there for maybe two minutes. No one was paying attention to anything. No one stopped us. Like, we just, like, stood there, and people kept walking by us. We left because we were disappointed that there wasn't a reaction, I think. Yeah. And you couldn't see much better from where we were. Like, it was fine. No. And by that point, I had sort of written off the show. I was like, all right, I get it. Mm Mm-hmm. But we, uh, yeah, we went into that box, and nothing happened, and, you know, that was just... And kind then we of decided upsetting. to leave early because I didn't want to wait around for all of the traffic of yeah. getting out. Well, of we the had parked stadium. like nine miles away. Yeah. By my best estimation. Definitely nine miles <clears throat> for sure. So it was overall, maybe half a mile away. What was your, what was your reaction to the Monster Jam? Would you go again? Was it what you thought? I wish uh, they had crushed shit, so mm-hmm. I would go to a demolition derby. Yeah, for sure. But I wouldn't go to another Monster Jam. Rob, you've been to a demolition derby. You mentioned that earlier. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like? Yeah, I mean, I've been to um, one at the Orange County Fair in uh, California, and it was fun. A lot of a lot of cars just ramming into each other. <laughs> you know, it was pretty cool. It was, <laughs> you know, it, there's is it a driving. flat like? Is it a flat just, playing field? Yeah, it's just it's just a ground dirt kind of arena. Then where the hell do I have to go to see a monster truck go over a ramp and jump over, like, three buses, school yeah, buses? What, like, where do what, I see that? What I'm getting from this is there seems to be a market out there for the monster <laughs> truck jam of our dreams that includes <laughs> fire and big robots and lots of cars being smashed. Yeah, I want, jumps. like, giant sparklers and flames and fireworks. And, the, and theatrics, too. Like put theatrics. The char- put, the, put, like, characters of the drivers who, like, mm-hmm. go on and, like, yeah, oh, I'm going to cross you, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, huh? right. Yeah, give the, give the uh, trucks megaphones. <laughs> and and <laughs> so you can hear the drivers be like, "You ready, bitch?" I want to, you know, we need at least one uh, critical injury during this. Yeah, you know, yeah. like somebody's got to be someone. Someone at the beginning of every monster truck show, there should be a guy who's like totally good, but by the end of it, he can't walk anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. the ideal walk. But like a theatrics, like not actually. No, I'm talking legit cripples. Like, <laughs> like this. <laughs> every city they can't go move to, anything below his they eyeballs. cripple like three dudes right. and um, <laughs> break three dudes' backs. You need some stakes. Right. Right. That's not the. St- I mean, there like, are no stakes in this. 
I mean, does do people at like NASCAR like die? I know they die occasionally, but sure. not every time. Sure, that one guy killed a guy. By crashing his car into him? He like drove over him, I think. Ah that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, there's oh, stakes in that in that kind of racing. You know, you'll you'll do a dive potentially. You're driving at what? Over 100 miles an hour, obviously. You're probably driving like 150 at least. Right. And you just keep going in circles, so you're probably getting bored and distracted. You know. <sighs> we talked <laughs> okay, about going to a... have to go around like 500. <laughs> yeah, like, can you imagine how bored we would have been at, <laughs> at a regular racing thing? I would never pay for an NASCAR. If no. somebody paid and then we go, then I would probably do it, but I'd be mad that somebody was like, you're doing it, and we paid for it. I think you're paying for the threat of violence to some degree, right? <laughs> like that someone's going to wipe out and fucking... I think you're paying to th watch things go fast while you drink beer all day. I think that's yeah. what you're paying for. I think I, you're paying I, for the event of not being at home. I think mm. it's a cultural... No, culture's a strong word, but a communal <laughs> thing. It's, it's like... <laughs> What I mean is it's about the experience of the whole thing and like you're like a NASCAR fan and the, it's the type of people that are NASCAR fans that it's go like there and do the whole thing. Yeah, like tailgating. You just sit around all day and hang out with your friends, but like those people are not my friends. I don't have any friends. Maybe we should go as like a group. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. that would make it fun. Well, at that point, I don't think we're really, I don't think we're undertaking a challenge at that point. Then it's just a bunch of people that are making their own fun. Yeah, but us being bored for five hours is not a challenge either. <laughs> it kind of is, frankly. Yeah, but that can't be our challenge over and over again. <clears throat> well, we made that our was Walmart. That was this it's one. It's sort of like we what happened at Monster guys. Trucks. We made our own fun. You know, uh, we got bored. We tried to crash so the uh, policeman's box. So when we do a NASCAR box. one, we're going to rob it like in Logan Lucky? No, but... I don't know. I would have to see what the I would have to see what's going on out there before deciding. How about attend a NASCAR attend a NASCAR event wearing Hillary Clinton t shirts? <laughs> <laughs> wearing Bernie Sanders t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I posted a thing when we were at the Monster Truck rally. Mm -hmm. uh, Shapiro was convinced that we're gonna get killed doing something one day. You know, so I posted a picture of You like, can't live that scared. He's he's very scared. Um, but, uh, like he was worried about the Republican convention. He was worried about this one. Cause I posted a picture of like everyone with their lighters out when they were like doing the national anthem. And I said like dicks out for America on, <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. He's like, please don't get killed. We'll be <clears throat> fine. Yeah, we'll be fine. No one's paying attention. To we'll us. at the very least get tased by the cops. I don't think, no, maybe by most. another, I mean, I mean, somebody else most. in the audience. I don't think the, but the cops. But at any rate, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd go to a monster truck show. I'm glad again. I did it once, but yeah, I don't need to do that again. Yeah. Unless I was assured that they were going to be like motorcycles and fire and stuff getting smashed by monster trucks. And a truckosaurus. And a I don't think that's a tall order. No. I think it's not. that just having the crane decorated to like pull them off of the thing. Yeah. Like that would have been interesting. This is why you need Rob running their stage show. Yeah. Mon monster Jam, call me. I have ideas. I have ideas. Um, Serenity. Are we moving on to Serenity? Yeah, I think we I think we nailed that. Yeah. The next thing we want to talk about, something Rob specifically requested, is a new motion picture by the name of Serenity. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't request it. We were just uh, talking about We would have recorded this last weekend had it not been for you. Because you wanted, to, you wanted to talk about Serenity on the show. 
And we yeah. had to go see it. You were like, Scott, Katie, you gotta watch Serenity and we gotta talk about it. This will mm-hmm. be the only thing that'll make me be on your show. Yes. Wow. Incredible. Incredible mm-hmm. betrayal here. Of the, of the facts. <clears throat> but uh Rob, why don't why don't you explain uh Oh, hashtag spoilers. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're gonna I, talk about this movie. Yeah, I don't think we can talk about it without spoilers, so Right. I, so pause we can, it now. We can talk spoilers, but and go watch it if you haven't. Rob, why don't you explain? Um... What? What would you I'm like sorry, him I to blanked. explain? Yeah, I'm sorry, I <laughs> a, a quick plot summary, maybe. What you thought the movie was about versus? Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. What it actually turned out to be about? Because there was there was something of a of a. Uh, lot of discussion on on twitter about this film and people who had seen it early were saying what the fuck this is insane this is the most what the fuck movie ever just don't learn anything about it just like not saying it's good but what the fuck it's insane (laughs) you know all, all this kind of talk so i was like and and all i heard the only detail i heard was something about feeding a dude to sharks and and so I, who is who is in I, the movie? Uh, Matthew McConaughey and um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I it's you know it's got a it's got a real me. cast, um, and so I just thought you know what I'm not going to find anything out about this. I'm just going to go see it because I want to be surprised because they were all like, "Whoa, it just gets ridiculous," and I misinterpreted that based on my only detail of knowing about the shark. Is like it's gonna be like a thriller that gets like really bloody. crazy and absurd and bloody and weird and, and maybe ridiculous in a corny way or whatever. So my experience with the film was I was like waiting for that to happen the whole time, and then it was very different. Okay, so um, walk us through the plot of the movie as you remember it in in order. Don't leap ahead. <laughs> to, uh... <laughs> So, um, at first it kind of feels like it's trying to be like Bukowski's old man in the sea or something like that, (laughs) you know, like like this ragged drunk dude with a lot of issues trying to catch the ultimate fish or something. And there's a tuna called justice. Yeah. A tuna called justice. And it's like, (laughs) I just want to point out real quick, like how often they say the word tuna yeah is they talk unreal. about fish a lot and i thought then i started to think is this some kind of just weird movie for people who are like really into catching big tuna or something because mm-hmm. it was they really spent a lot of time talking about that uh in the first actually most of the <laughs> film and uh and this guy was haunted by his inability to catch this fish and uh the word tuna was... must be used 700 times during e- easy easy and uh, and then um, his ex-wife shows up and uh, and she's like it's like Anne Hathaway playing like a cartoon character dame from an old noir movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's always a dame. She's all yeah. in white versus black. That yeah, was the main she's difference. She's all in white, and uh, she's blonde, and she's like, "You gotta help me uh, save our kid." Yeah, they have a kid together. They have a That's kid a together from the past. And she married another guy, and she's like, you're right. He turned abusive. 
Yeah. yeah he, but he's some mafia guy or something. She's like, I'll end up buried in one of his construction sites if I try to leave. Right. Like, and then there's this guy that they they try to tease like they try to tease some mystery in it beyond it just being this angry guy trying to catch fish um, with this weird like kind of businessy looking gawky guy who keeps trying to yeah. find he keeps trying to find Matthew McConaughey and he on looks this like island a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, and he's trying to find him all the time on this island where it's clearly really easy to find this dude. There's like five people on the island. He's always at the bar. <laughs> yeah, he's always at the bar, or he's uh. He's always twenty seconds late. He keeps saying that. And he or Matthew McConaughey is a gigolo for that lady. Oh now, yeah, that's what did right. You, what did uh, you guys think like during during this guy's scenes when he kept showing up and he kept like saying, yeah. "Oh, I just missed him," and he was clearly like. There's some otherworldly element to this guy. Yeah. Right. You know, like, what did you think was going on there? Um, I kind of thought it was a little bit like a series of unfortunate events. Have you seen that on Netflix? He kind of reminded me of the banker in that, just like kind of eager. He seemed a little sinister, but then I was like, nah, I could be. You didn't that think guy there up. was anything weird to this guy? I mean, the whole fucking movie's weird. He's like. Well, he was the only otherworldly type element at that point in the movie. That's true. And it was, I don't, I don't know, for some reason I thought it was like some adjustment bureau thing or something like That's that. What That's what I thought. See, I thought it was time yeah. travel. Oh. And they were like, yeah. tam they were tampering with his reality right. or something like that. And, and at that point I was like, this movie's really cheesy, but maybe it's going to get really weird. I don't know. And, but it, I kept thinking that the kid and the dad were somehow psychic. Like, yeah, the then, kid could, like, see through his... Could he use, like, computer psyche, psychic powers? Well, yeah, because yeah, they had that scene where the, where he heard his kid talking, for, you know, in his mind, and then right. weirdly went on a naked swimming adventure with his son. Yeah, was that was weird. <laughs> and and it was like they were psychically connected or something. Mm-hmm. As you do. Yeah. Well, Scott, why don't you, uh, why don't you continue with uh, what you... What you thought after what happens next? Yeah, what's your predict? What was your prediction at this point? Well, I thought that I thought it was going to be a time travel thing because he kept mentioning time and saying yeah. he was off by twenty seconds. So I was I was picturing like sort of a Back to the Future thing where this guy came back. He's trying to stop X, Y, or Z from happening, and he was just off by a little bit. Right. So maybe he came back in this time continuum, and and he was he was just a little bit off from where he needed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the, the, the closest I came to sort of cracking it. Mm -hmm. And then you slid me a note during the movie and you were like, <clears throat> and you laid it all out. Like you explained like step by step, like this is what's going on. And I well, was like, they kept talking yeah, about how the kid, uh, was like a computer genius and he spent all of his time in front of his computer. And then when the bad guy, like the bad current husband of the ex-wife is on the boat because she's convinced Matthew McConaughey, Baker Dill, mm -hmm. to... Um, Baker to, Dill. Baker Dill. Yeah. An anagram for bad killer, I want to yeah. point out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she had, like, there are, he has him on the boat and he uh, asks him about, like, well, do you have any kids? And then the guy tells him about uh, the kid. He was like, the kid just sits in front of the t his computer all day and I finally, like, broke into the kid's room and, like, saw what he was doing and he was fishing and I and I was just like, why are you fishing so I don't kill you? 
was the what the kids said was just like so if i don't keep fishing i'll find a way to kill you and then i was i didn't even remember that until you just said it (laughs) and then uh at some point earlier we'd found out that matthew mcconaughey had been in iraq or afghanistan and so i slid you a note and i was like matthew mcconaughey's been dead for years this is all a simulation in the game that the kid made and and then it was and then it was like confirmed when the guy with the briefcase shows up and he said... Uh, he, he was the rules. He was the rules. And I was like, boom, figured it out. I know what's happening. Right. So, Rob, what was that moment like for you where it it dawned on you what was going on? And, and what were the following 20 minutes like? <laughs> I had... I don't know. I, I was, like... I was, like, really engaged with, like, laughing how corny so many parts of the movie were. Mm-hmm. And and I was still in my heart of hearts hoping that there was going to be some, like, feeding of the sharks and everything gets fucking really weird or, or interdimensional. Or, I don't know. I was it could have gotten way weirder, and then it I was didn't. expecting it to be way weirder than ultimately a, a father-son Truman Show thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and when that when that revelation hits, and, and possibly because I had built so much up in my head... I was kind of like, oh, that's what it is? It's that I disagree. Thing? I thought it was fucking bananas. I couldn't believe my eyes. I really? wanted it to get weirder. Like, I wanted uh, reality to be more warped towards the end. Like, once I figured it out, there were still, like, mm-hmm. 30 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, uh-huh. I, think, I think that's what it was. It, it, there was too much time after I understood what was happening. <laughs> that's, a fa- that's a fair criticism. I also think, though, that, you know, we're talking about a major release. You know, it went into a couple thousand theaters. Well, well, hold hold on, because my thoughts at that moment in the movie are different than how I thought after taking it all in. Okay. Because, okay. okay. Because afterwards, I thought, and I think this is where you're headed. Sorry to interrupt, but no, no, no. It was, it was very unique. You know, like for a major movie released uh, with an original it was very story. Original. It was different, at least, you know? And then I looked back and thought, like, all those cheesy characters and cheesy names and Mm -hmm. cheesy dialogue and character tropes. That's part of it. I actually thought in my head early on in the movie, like, was this written by a fucking 12-year-old? Like, (laughs) some of the dialogue. And I don't know if it makes it a good movie that you make it all that corny for 35 or 75% of it, but it made sense in the end. Because it all was scripted by a 13-year-old boy, you know? And it was all his creation, his simulation that he'd made to, like, help him cope with something. And it all ultimately was about, like, the thing that that you're burning inside to do, break the rules that you need to do. And the rules trying as hard as they can. You know, all these things kept happening to try and keep him from doing it. And it's what he wanted to do. But then the rules their mind, too. Hmm? The rules is like he has the conversation with the rules, who is also sentient. Um, like the rules kind of knows that he's in a video game, but he doesn't know how to be other than he is. And then he has a conversation with Baker Dill on the beach. No, um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. but the the whole point with the rules was he was trying as hard as he could to convince him to just stick to the order of how things are, which is you need to catch mm-hmm. the fish. That's why he's like, take the fish catcher. Don't right. kill the man. All the and then like that that other guy, the son of the girl he was hooking up with, who shows up. It's like all the g- game engineering 
trying to interfere with him breaking free from the order that he was supposed to follow. You know, right, like trying, breaking free from morality, like doing a bad thing for a good reason. Yeah. Like our, it was a question of morality. Like if you go outside of the bounds of this and you have all of these, you know, safety bumpers. And, and then when he realized like he, this, it's this kid sitting there desperately trying not to do something he, he knows to be wrong, but he feels he has to, which is kill his stepfather. Mm -hmm. He's built out this game as a simulation for him to try and focus on catching justice and just like doing mm -hmm. doing what you're supposed to and just like keeping him focused on that and he's built all these barriers in there but something's breaking through and you know the, right. you know the character's becoming him and he's realizing that he you can't can be he can't obey the rules so anymore yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's all very good i want to talk about the fact though that also this kid built a video game where he has to fuck his own mom and also, right? And also, Diane Lane. And also, yeah, this kid. Like, is why like... was Diane Lane's character even in the movie? Yeah. And also, that kid had because to smash a... his mom. Yeah. Like, it was super during... Oedipal. It was very Oedipal. Yes. And we saw some. We saw Matthew McConaughey's butt while the kid fucked his own mom in I, the game. I do want to talk about that. Matthew McConaughey. I want to talk about that. This 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 bullshit uh, with Hollywood sex scenes where like. The dude is fucking, and he's got jeans on, or pants, or what have Cargo you. shorts. Yeah. Well, I have yet to see this in cargo shorts. <laughs> I think but he was wearing cargo shorts. No, he, he not... was wearing jeans, and I took note of this. If he was a true fisherman, he would have been at least wearing cargo pants. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but um, the, the, the pants sort of stick to the ass. Like, right, like they've been double-sided like, taped he's, down. He's smashing... And Hathaway on top, and they don't fall to his knees. They're or not, anything. yeah, they're not falling down. Like this is impossible. This is like in uh, movies where there's a sex scene, and there's like the sheet that's like perfectly over her ass. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. this does not fucking happen. All right. And it's called um, staging, Scott. I was. I, it's bullshit. It's so annoying. Like it's distracting. Like in the middle of a scene like that, to <laughs> to, to see the cloth like sort of like it's clearly been taped on. Or something like that. I don't Maybe know if McConaughey is... comfortable place to have tape, like, just on the, like, the bottom of your butt. Yeah, it would be the small of your back, I think. No, the... Oh, like, we saw his butt. So, like, the, the, the bottom of... The top of his pants was below his ass crack. Yeah, his pants were staying up, though. Yeah, and so they're double-sided taped like... to the bottom of his butt. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the underside, <laughs> like, the like upper the thigh. The upper like, the crease, yeah, 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 like, yeah. right under the ass. <laughs> Right. Even even if you're fucking in such an urgent scenario that the pants are going to stay on, if they stayed right there, that'd be super irritating. You'd immediately push them down, at least to your ankles, you know? <laughs> right. Why wouldn't you take them off? You're fucking... <laughs> this is a craziness. I, I mean, they were conveying, like, an urgency and a forbiddenness of it or whatever, I guess, and maybe you could just... Maybe you, he was just that into it that he didn't want to take a few seconds to take his pants off, but you would at least... Also, maybe, away. but any you video game away. I have ever designed where I fuck my own mother, I take my <laughs> pants all oh, the way off. off. Yeah, I'm a gentleman. Well, to be fair, you know, he, he probably doesn't know how this works, so when he's coding this fantasy of fucking his own mother, he doesn't understand that the pants come off. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, now that... Now that you've made me think about it in that way, Scott, I, I don't know. It, it was definitely a mess, but it was an interesting mess, you know? 
I'm not done with this. Why was <laughs> Diane Lane in the movie? Why was he fucking Diane Lane? Because that was one of uh, the... Okay, so, like, you remember when he finds the cat at back up at his house early on in the movie before you know anything and before the rules find him? Right. Then the rules later, when they're having that conversation on the rainy night, the rules is like, there's lots of games on the island. Catch the tuna, find the cat. Diane Lane was a side quest. She was a side quest for him to earn currency to continue yeah. fishing. You know, it's it's basically it's an like RP. when you earn oh. points, you earn money so that he could continue to go for this. Are y'all just saying that? Is that for real? That's our it, theory. That's my theory, just based on like how they tried to explain it as just like missions for him to do. To okay, keep him busy well, that's on the island. I like the lady that. Find her cat so right. that she gives him money so that he can buy more fish hooks. No, I get it. I played Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta like fuck a lady just, if you want those fish hooks. It's like hooks. when you Come keep kill, killing boars in Skyrim or it, whatever to like, right. get bones or whatever the fuck you do. In it's Skyrim. it's grinding for gold. Like, <laughs> really, <laughs> it really is. Huh? I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I don't even play video games, bro. <laughs> I, I think I think the, like, I don't know, it seemed like one of those things that's so into its own idea that it, it at times forgot to make it a, a movie, <laughs> in a sense, you know? Like, stuff like I... that that makes so little sense for so long in the movie, and then you have to really think back, like, wait, what, why? Oh, okay, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense when you view we it We can reason this. that away, I suppose. Yeah. I was, um... Yeah, I'm not going to make the claim that it was a good movie, but I really liked how committed it was. Yeah. And how and how original it was. So like yeah. maybe I like I wouldn't give it an award of any kind, but I would mm -hmm. promote it. I would be like, "Yeah, you need to see that. Like you should like if I think that that's something you're going to enjoy, I'll recommend it to you." I yeah. think most people I wouldn't recommend it. Maybe not. But, but there's like a narrow strip of of film watcher i think anybody uh, of which you and i are in that who strip. apologizes for m night Shyamalan's bad movies i think they would appreciate i disagree Serenity. yeah that's, disagree that's a whole that. other podcast scott <laughs> yeah. you're opening up a door that we yeah. did not close but, uh, all i'll say is it, whether i could recommend it or not is, is hard to say it depends on like like uh my wife really liked it in the end because she liked this idea that like it's it's about like breaking from the conformity of rules to do what you know is right even though it's even though the rules say it's wrong and there's a lot of interesting themes in there and it had big ideas and i never want to discourage anyone from trying to make weird movies you know like we need that right so i agree i think there's something to be uh respected about it in that yeah i enjoyed yeah. it the commitment is to be respected for sure and uh you know i hope i hope they keep letting people try to make weird movies whether they succeed or fail because we have to in a world of formulated sequels and stuff you know yeah so serenity yes into it behind it i think i um i think i respect serenity more than i liked it but yes. i'm glad that i saw it and i i thought that it was it's something mm -hmm. for sure i think i liked it yeah yeah okay rob Rabbit yeah. self promotion time. It's self promotion time. Have you have you worked it worked yourself up to it? Yeah, I'm super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about high level. Uh, uh, Schultz and I both read the first issue of this this series. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. Got kind of a Mad Max feel to it. 
plus Borderlands, if you're familiar with that video game, which I know you're not, Schultz, but Mm-mm. it's it's got a little bit of that mixed in there. It's a post-apocalyptic thing where, well, actually, Rob, why don't you explain it to your book? Um, yeah, it, it's a we're calling it a post post-apocalyptic thing because it's it's not so much about um, what happens when society collapses. It's what happens when society has been rebuilt in various ways. Um, when when all the rules and all and all the infrastructure and all the established um, things about society like governments and borders and uh, business and you know power grids internet everything's gone and um, various people have rebuilt in different ways and um, a lot of it is about how differently the 99% survives uh, a climate apocalypse than the 1% will. So, like, um, you mentioned Mad Max and Borderlands, which are good comparisons that, that people make, but they're good comparisons for the beginning of the story, because part of the idea of the story arc is along this journey that our main character goes through, as she gets closer and closer to the center of power and wealth in this world, um, we, we change into a much different uh, sci-fi territory. So it gets it gets much more away from Mad Max and uh, much more dystopian and ultimately very futuristic. One thing I want to point out is that it it took a, a minute or so into that before you revealed that the main character is uh, female. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to make uh, a woman the the lead of the series? Um, part of it was just that's just who the character was to me. It's a character that I've just been drawing for years in various iterations and that's just the identity of the character to me um the other part was it's more interesting i mean a a kind of like you know when all the rules of everything in society collapse a a hardened male smuggler loner kind of character is isn't as interesting and Mm -hmm. and there aren't as many conflicts that come out of that and and there will be conflicts around that. And the other part is I, I just um, I identify with the character as she's has a lot of elements of me in various points of my life, but she also was someone that I wrote when I was living in an RV uh, in the forest, isolated with my wife. And she, I, I, you know, I was around her, and she defined the character a lot in various ways. So there's there's just something about that's always just needed to be a female character and i think it's more interesting anyway i agree with you on the more interesting thing and and if i'm playing a video game and it gives me the option to create a character i'm always picking a female character why do you think that is it's more interesting i mean yeah okay but like what do you mean by more interesting? well what i mean by more well what i mean by more interesting is like 99 percent of video games maybe less so now but right. historically, it's been a male protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even in a game like like I'm playing Fallout 76 right now, mm-hmm. uh, you don't even see your character while you're playing it. It's a, a first-person perspective game, right. right? But I have a female character. Mm-hmm. It's more interesting to me to imagine a female character navigating that world right. than yet another, as, as Rob pointed out, like mm-hmm. a grizzled bounty hunter fucking type that shit is boring of... as we learned in solo a star wars story yeah it's it's yeah. not you know we've seen we've seen the han solo character and there's a lot of like 
there's a lot of Han Solo uh, a little bit in, in 13, the character um, in high level. But part of it is that a lot of, like, high level is kind of a sci-fi adventure that along the way is making a lot of commentary about our society right now, where we're headed, and, and a lot of different aspects of it. And that's a lot more compelling to do um, from the perspective of a of a woman trying to survive that uh, when society collapses and and men try to regain power and men still have power and what that can say about where we are right now as a society so it's it's a much more interesting character device to me and and um it it makes it easier to say some of the political things i want to say I mean, you're saying that this is a society after that's rebuilt after our society has fallen, but it sounds like it has a lot of the same problems as ours. And so is it, it like it's a, a way to comment on the now by not placing it now, by, by putting uh, the consequences of our society far into the future and foreseeing how uh, the problems in our society become bigger? Not yeah, not only become bigger, but what the consequences are if they continue right. on the path that they're on. And I think all of the best science fiction. I mean, science fiction is one of the great, great genres for when you do it right. Being commentators on yeah, for commentators on society, mm -hmm. um, because you can take someone into a fantasy where they're escaping into what might seem like a fun adventure with robots and mutants and. Chain, neon chainsaws that cut down octopus robots and that's all going to be in there <laughs> but um, but along the way the themes and the characters and what it's ultimately saying about the world is kind of creeping into you without it having to be like hey capitalism sucks fuck Trump you know that kind of stuff <laughs> capitalism you know, is like, poison <laughs> yeah it's, it's not a, it doesn't come across as a, a political co commentary comic initially, and eventually I think the political ideas and the societal ideas creep into it a lot heavier, but it's all wrapped up in a fantasy, mm -hmm. and, and that makes it easier in a lot of ways to talk about it. Right, it makes it a little bit more, a better, more um, palatable delivery system. Yeah. For political yeah, exactly. commentary. And, and, and sometimes when it's delivered in that way, it can insert ideas into you that you might reject if you just saw them bluntly presented in today's terms, you that, know. That being said, you were there was a you tweeted about how uh, your I think your Irish Catholic family is going to be really excited, and they pre-ordered copies. And within like the first couple pages, you denounced the Bible entirely. So, <laughs> like, how palatable do you want to be, really? Oh, I don't want to be palatable, to everybody. Okay. No, it's not. It's not for everybody at all. Okay. <laughs> but. but um, yeah, I mean, what what you're referencing is there's a um, there's a monologue at the beginning of the first issue where the idea is to set the tone of the overall story arc, which has a lot to do with how systems of power manipulate and control the masses for the benefit of the very few. Right. And so it was using the idea that, like, you know, in the future, when history has been erased. And our, our main character is given this book, this dirty old uh, rundown book from the past. And this guy says it used to be the most important book, uh, you know, in the world. And she reads it, and it seems absurd to her because she has no cultural context for what the Bible is. So it, it's just 
it's a statement about the character, but it's also about um, the whole theme of the series, which is going to be about deconstructing systems of power. Right. And that's that's everything from patriarchy to capitalism to religion. So this is actually your second apocalypse-related storyline. You know, if we if we put this up against or you know uh, next to Year Zero, both of these are are tales that take place within a post-apocalyptic or as you've already said a, a post post-apocalyptic environment it seems like you have uh, some sort of fascination with the idea of an apocalypse is that true uh it is but um so year zero was something that was set about like 20 years from the time that we did it in 2007 and i would call it pre-apocalyptic it was a pre-apocalyptic dystopia uh, and it was leading up to a um, a very different kind of idea of the apocalypse in that particular story. But it was the same um, it was the same inspiration. Where at that time we were seeing the the seeds in the uh, in the Bush administration of uh, how religion and war and uh, authoritarian elements were starting to creep quietly into society and. Um, and that was a much more gritty, realistic uh, version of a dystopia. That was a, that was a really, really direct commentary on where we were. And um, the difference with high levels, we wanted to take the same idea of comment uh, of commentating on where we are right now, but taking it much further. So it was much more in the realm of fantasy. It's hundreds of years in the future. And um, I think you know, with with Year Zero. It was, it was really gritty and immediate, and people ask like, like uh, we were supposed to do a, a TV miniseries with HBO that went into production now, and people ask like, when's the Year Zero thing? Is it ever going to happen? And now I just say, yeah, just turn on the news. It's already happening, because so many things that we predicted in Year Zero are part of uh, what the reality is now with the Trump administration. So the evil you know, timeline. Yeah, there's there's so many parallels of, of where we where we saw things headed, and um, the plot element in Year Zero that was about the apocalypse was something that the world was careening towards, and in high level, it's happened long ago, and that's pretty much directly inspired by how close we are to an apocalypse of climate, of resources, and mostly of greed, of income inequality, where so few people hold so much of the wealth and how that's going to impact the climate apocalypse. You, um, <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, one of the problems that, uh, serialized television or, or comic books or, you know, anything where it's an ongoing story have is that, uh, the, the creator doesn't necessarily know where it's going kind of mm -hmm. made up as it goes along a little bit. Um, but in my conversations with you, it sounds like you have a really good idea about where the story is going. And in fact, have it planned out through the end. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so from when this was conceived to when it was actually greenlit to when it was actually put uh, into production of the first issue was over a year of time. And um, during that time, I plotted out uh, an 18-issue arc that, that has the entire story figured out, which was something I really wanted to do so we could plant little mysteries in the story and 
know where they're going and right. not, you know, fall into the trap uh, that often happens, like especially on television. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, lost <laughs> is the best example um, where it feels like they're making it up as they go along. So I wanted to be able to hint at bigger, weirder mysteries um, while we're telling this kind of adventure story and actually be able to answer them in a satisfying way later on. So I, I know where it's all going and I know what's actually happening. And that's where, you know, as I said earlier, when, you know, when it seems like this is a Mad Max Borderlands story in the first issue, the comic will be almost unrecognizable by the seventh issue, except for the main characters. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see the rest of it. Just based on the first issue, I am hella pumped to to see where it goes. Are you you nervous about your new career as a comic book creator? Yeah. I mean, it's nerve-wracking because it's, it's a new industry for me where, you know, I don't, I don't know that many people in the industry and, um, and none of the readers or, or know me, uh, you know, I'm a new quantity. Um, and also my fans from my previous career uh, in my art aren't necessarily comics people. So trying to tell them, Hey, come check this out. Um, but to that end, I really, I really wrote it a lot for people who maybe haven't read comics or haven't read comics in years uh, and I wrote it very cinematically so that it's really easy to pick up and and get engaged in the storyline and and I like that aspect of it but it's also weird to like release you know issue one which is basically the first 15 minutes of the movie right and then be like the issue one was really hard to figure out because I really wanted it to start out kind of quietly and slow. But it still has to I- hook you. Yeah, and the whole idea is that the, the the world gets bigger and bigger and bigger as she goes through this journey, and like, you know, it's like onion peels uh, of discovery. But it has to start out small in order for that to work. But you also have to hint at what's coming in order to hook people. So that's tricky, and um, it's weird. It's like, okay, like imagine if you watched. Um, Imagine if you watch like the first 10 minutes of Star Wars and it's just like this kid in the desert complaining a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and then they were like, okay, wait one month and come back for more. It's going to get crazy. You know, right. that's, that's the weirdness of episodic comics right now is trying to find the balance of, of not spoiling anything um, and being able to start the way you want to start it dramatically, but making sure that you hook people. Well, how, um, how many comics get hooked on the first uh, issue, whereas, like, you have to wait until, like, issue, I don't know, five or ten, and then somebody, and then people start reading it, so then it, it starts to, to gain Oh, for followers. sure. Oh, for sure. It's it's going to, I hope it's going to, you know, attract more people as it goes along and the story starts uh, starts building. Expanding. And then there's the And then there's the reality that, like, a lot of people probably won't read it until it comes out in a trade paperback and you can read all six issues at once. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of twists and turns. So, you know, I hope, I hope we find an audience within comics and and outside of comics. You know, I think anyone who's into science fiction movies uh, and television would be into this kind of thing. It's, it's inspired by everything, you know, that I grew up with in the eighties and nineties in sci-fi. So it's, it's easy to get into if you grew up with the same type of movies that I did. 
Right on. Right on. Well, we look forward to reading the rest of it. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I need to pre-order mine. I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. I'm waiting for the That's trade. okay. <laughs> You're waiting for the trade? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Thanks, Rob, uh, thank you so much for for being a guest tonight and uh, and talking to us. Uh, we're, yeah. we're really looking forward to the rest of it. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, don't go to a monster truck show. Yeah, what did we learn? We learned that we like sci-fi stuff. Um, Serenity was okay. And if you're going to do monster trucks, make sure they crush stuff in the advertising. And if you're going to fuck your mom, make sure you have the tape right underneath. Right on the, the right on the ass crease. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Right underneath that cheek. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so don't, don't go to monster shows unless they get better. Um, watch Serenity, if only because it's interesting and weird. And... Definitely pre-order high level and use yes. the tape on your boat when you fuck your mom in your in your CG fantasy. Correct. Yep. Okay. I think Got we it. just about nailed it. That's all, all the things right. we learned these uh, the past few months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys the next time we come up with something. Yeah, uh, and feel free to send us ideas on Twitter. We yes. may probably won't accept a lot of them. Sorry. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Yes.